Now, in Ezekiel, who is a prophet, uh, he lived about the same time that the people of Israel got taken over. No, the people of Judah got taken over by the Babylonians. And they had been taken over into Babylon. And he gives us this message in chapter 14, verse 12. So Ezekiel 14, 12, we hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came again to me saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it, and cut off man and beast from it. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. If, if I cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they empty it and make it so desolate that no man may pass through because of the beasts, even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. Or if I bring a sword on that land and say, sword, go through the land and I cut off man and beast from it, even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but only they themselves would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury on it in blood and cut off from it man and beast, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. And we'll ask God to bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today. And the title of this message is When a Land Sins. Uh, we learn here in the Bible that uh, these prophets, when you study them, you realize that God sent them to try to wake people up, to try to get our attention or the people's attention to whom they preached. And in this case, the sickness is clearly seen as a sin. They had a problem and their problem was sin. And in fact, if you read right here, the one problem that happens to any land and can happen to anybody, it's not just uh, the nation of Israel, but it's us and all other countries on earth. When a land sins against me. Now, what is that sin? That sin is defined as persistent unfaithfulness. Now, that is a very, very hard thing to overcome. Persistent unfaithfulness. Now, I think we all know that we've been unfaithful to God throughout in, in many different ways, but to be persistent in it and not to ever straighten up, never to be confronted and then to change, to never go the wrong path and then to realize it and to change the error of your ways, that is the problem. We see that all peoples are called to change their direction when that direction is a wrong direction. And, and in this case, the prophet Ezekiel makes it clear that persistent unfaithfulness is a sin so bad that you can't really get out of it. It's a problem. See, it's that word persistence. 
We're talking about stubborn persistence. It's like people cling to it and will not let go. They will not surrender. They will not turn around. It doesn't matter how many times you go to try to change them. They will not change. And so they end up in a period of judgment. And, and the judgments that God says that he brings upon these lands, there's various judgments. One of them was a famine of bread. They couldn't, couldn't eat. That's a bad thing. But because of persistent unfaithfulness, they don't get fed. Or if you notice that if the land itself is, uh, is, becomes empty because of wild animals and beasts taking over the land, it wouldn't matter if persistence in their sin continues, they would continue to have these problems. And then notice that he says, the, if, if there was war and you end up with violence, that persistent unfaithfulness nullifies the rescue from God. And what about pestilence? This could be anything from disease to just all forms of problems that affect us in nature. And again, if persistent unfaithfulness is not changed, then people will be doomed. Now, that's all very unpleasant. And so what is persistent unfaithfulness and how bad is it? Well, I think, first of all, we need to know that persistent unfaithfulness is unrepented unfaithfulness. That means that if we don't change, but we have the power to change, that is the point. We have the power to change. Notice that I think first, as our in our own country, we need to be careful because we need to understand that our sin is that we have been unfaithful to our God. I, I see it all the time. Go read books that were written 100 years ago, and, and we're talking about in our history books, and we're talking about the people who were speaking in public spaces. They had far more reverence for God than they do today. And we have really gone downhill from there. And I'm not saying that things were perfect then. You know, Americans, we think we're, you know, we've always done things right and we feel like that uh, we have a good principle of democracy or in some ways we thought that. Uh, it reminds me of a story that Ronald Reagan shared with uh, Gorbachev. He, he, it's a story about an American and a Russian at that time. And they had a discussion as to what the difference is between the two countries. And the Americans said, well, in our country, uh, I have the right to go to 1600 uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, go to the president's office in the Oval Office, pound on the desk and say, Mr. President, I disagree with your policies. And the Russians said to him, well, I have the same, same freedom. And the American said, really? He said, yes, sir. I can go to Moscow. I can go to the Kremlin. I can go to the office of the general secretary of the Communist Party, and I can pound on that desk, and I can say, Mr. Gorbachev, I disagree with President Reagan's policies. We need to understand that in our world, we have been unfaithful to God first. I mean, if you think about it, if we're faithful in every other way, but we're not faithful to God, then we've lost everything. The Bible says that God is love. 
And without love, it's you, you can't make it because God is love. So if you love everything else, but you don't love God, you've missed out on love. You've missed out on everything. And love is the highest and greatest thing. And so being faithful to God is the thing that we are missing out so much on. We don't respect God. I, I just go back to our founding documents as Americans. Uh, we literally, in the Declaration, said that we have our rights given to us by God. But if we insult the very God who gave us our rights, then how secure will our rights really be? Because if humans give us our rights, then they can take our rights just as easily. And I feel that we have seen the rise in the God humanity instead of the God who is the true God. And we have elevated humans to the position of defining the important institutions that God himself ordained originally. And if the world is defining, defining our reality now instead of God and his word, then we're not faithful. And persistent unfaithfulness has consequences. We have to change. We have to influence people as best we can and pray for people so that they would have a true faithfulness towards God. But if we're not faithful to God, then everything else is gonna fall apart no matter what else. But it's not just our persistent unfaithfulness to God because, I mean, think about it. God through Jesus Christ, when he came into this world as a baby on Christmas Day or whatever day it was, he knew Jesus was the only child who was born with the express purpose of dying for us. And Jesus, in his coming to the world, he literally became the means to which we can be saved forever. So our loyalty should be to him and our thanks should be to him but we have the, the love of people has grown cold. People are more in love with their own problems, their own situations. We're, we just kind of get occupied and we don't want to take responsibility. Uh, it's too much trouble. I, I don't want to deal with things. I just want to be left alone. What if God had taken that attitude to us? What if he had said in heaven, you know what, I don't want to go live for those years on this earth. I don't want to have to deal with these people who misunderstand me and who will kill me someday. I'm just going to stay up here and take my time off. I deserve a weekend. No, he didn't do that. He didn't give us a weekend. He gave us years of his life and he could have had it a lot better. And he had to endure the time on this earth. And I mean to tell you, he did endure it, but he also enjoyed it because he actually loved us because he was not operating under the same principle that we operate on. Our principles are selfish. He operated on the principle that he loved his father and he loved his fellow man. And he put it in that order. And because he did that, he enjoyed life and he enjoyed being with people. You know, how many of you have had the experience of seeing a person come to you and they were crippled and you prayed or said, get healed, and they got healed and you saw the joy on their faces because they can walk. 
Well, what about a person who was blind? Have you ever gone and healed them? Have you done that lately? Have you seen the, the privilege and the smile on their faces when they were able to see for the first time? Or maybe they couldn't hear and you opened the ears of those people? Have you been having those experiences lately? That was who Jesus was. He endured the hardship of life because he also knew he was enjoying the liberation of people's souls and bodies. He saw people have joy in his life. He healed thousands of people and he enjoyed that joy. And when we don't support his efforts, when we don't support him in this world, we don't get to reap the joy of seeing people delivered and they no longer have to be under the domination of sin anymore. We have hope because of Jesus Christ. And if he endured this world and delivered people, we need to get in on that action too. And we need to be a part of that. We need to get people back to being faithful to God. But it's not just unfaithfulness to our God. We see unfaithfulness to our families. We just don't even have any concept today of what family really means anymore. We've been made to feel guilty over the idea of a man and a woman and children. And it's almost like a family today is whatever you want it to be. And it's very sad. The Bible tells us what the standards are for families. And yet so many people don't take their vows seriously, they don't take their relationships seriously, and they don't take care of their children correctly. And then we wonder, why are our children not in church? Why aren't they loving Jesus anymore? Why aren't they loving the Lord God who saved their souls and died on a cross anymore? Oh, it's the churches, they're all hypocrites. Jesus dealt with hypocrites in his own day, but he didn't abandon his people. He loved them. He loved them. He loved them so much he opened his arms and they nailed him to a cross. So he loves us. We need to be faithful. We need to show God that we are not going to persist in our unfaithfulness. We're going to change. We don't want to be persistently unfaithful to our families. We don't want to be persistently unfaithful to our country we literally have people today, and I get discouraged. I look at the way we are doing things, and I'm wondering, what are we thinking of? We just insult God. We insult him every day by the things we say and do and celebrate, and yet we don't recognize God who creates the nations and the governments for purpose. The purpose of the government is to keep order and domestic tranquility and to have peace. Uh, how's that working out for us? How many of you are confident today that crime is not a problem? Is crime a problem today? Absolutely is. It's getting worse, not getting better. And uh, in the 1950s, a single man with a wife, could, uh, with one job, could provide for his entire family and have a house and have a car and, ha and get around and do some things. Today, I don't know how any family can make it without both spouses working. And it's very hard even to work two jobs. You might have to have two jobs apiece. It, it's, it's not easy. You can survive with 
government assistance today, but you won't thrive. And it's no wonder that people turn to crime and, and trying to cheat the system because they've been cheated in their lives and they figure, well, I might as well cheat someone else. It's unfaithfulness at a massive level in our country. What does patriotism mean if you don't love your country and try to stand for what's right? If we don't have confidence in the electoral processes anymore, you don't have any power anymore. You just go through the motions. I just think we don't trust the government anymore, and they've not done too much lately to prove that they're very trustworthy, frankly. So persistent unfaithfulness to God, to our families, to our country, and even to our businesses. What about business ethics today? Business ethics. Well, it seems like to me that the only businesses that tend to do well are the big corporations that tend to run all the little guys out of business. And these are the ones that seem to always stick together because they are more than happy to be able to tell us how bad we are for whatever traditional belief we may have. It's very fashionable for the super wealthy to run in their own circles and to try to impose their values on other people. I don't think though that that's faithfulness when you start denying the values that the Bible teaches. It's not right at all. And as you get businesses and money, I heard this statistic this week that in this country, in America, and I'm sure it's true of other places, that one half of 1% of the people in America own more assets than nine, the bottom 90%. Think about that. That's a lot of money in the hands of very few people. So if those are the people running all these corporations, hey, the corporations can just do what they want in their own thinking. If you've ever wondered why television is so bad and why the movies are so bad, just look who's running them. Look who's running these corporations. It's, they've got their own uh, idea of things. So we see the sickness is persistent unfaithfulness. We need to pray for our corporations. I criticize some of them. I need to pray that God will, will get a hold of the boards of these corporations and that God will put a witness on these boards that they will do their business with ethics and not just trying to cheat everybody out. You know, it's not good business ethics if you're just trying to get a profit from someone, but you are willing to cheat them and lie to them when you do it. You know, good business ethics is you provide a good or a service, honestly, you describe your product honestly, and you make sure you deliver on your promises and you get paid for it. That's how a profit should be. But instead, you get the idea today that people with so many scammers and so many other problems going on that people are just willing to take whatever they can get and make deals with the government and get these little sweetheart deals as much as they want. I'm telling you, just like in the Old Testament, people are unfaithful in business too. But we need to understand that we're salvation and the solution is not. And the solution is not, let's go get some great guys and let's bring these great heroes out and see if they can change up everything. You know, if we just had Noah, if we just had Daniel, if we had Job, if we had these people, we'd all be okay. 
We put our faith too much, I think, in our spiritual leaders. You can't have faith in your spiritual leaders, folks. You can't put your faith in others to do the job you've got to do, okay? It's not the preachers. It's not, it's not these great heroes of the Bible. He says, if you had Noah, if you had uh, Daniel, if you had Job, the only people that would be saved would be Noah and Daniel and Job. You'd still be in trouble because you persist in your unfaithfulness. Uh, it's interesting that God used these three. Noah, he was the means of saving humanity. You know, literally because of his righteousness, we're here today. So he has a whole lot of people he uh, saved because he got right with God, was right with God, and got his family saved out of the danger. Daniel, you'll remember he prayed for his people and he was answered. He saved a bunch of people because he interceded on their behalf to the king. when he, The king was going to kill them all, and he prayed, and he saved people. How about Job? Well, remember, Job, he went through horrible times, but at the end, because uh, his so-called friends were not that friendly, God was going to punish them, but God allowed Job to intercede for them to save their lives. You see, that's, that's really awesome. But today, if, you're, if our land and all other lands, if they continue to persist, they never change, it won't matter if Noah or Daniel or Job show up because they won't help us. We need to make the decisions ourselves. So what is the solution? Well, the solution is stop persisting in unfaithfulness. And that's the good news. God wants us to stop being unfaithful. I mean, it's real easy to get into bad habits, but habits are not always bad. Habits can be good. Habits, in fact, should be our friend. We should establish good habits of faithfulness. We should be faithful to God, pray every day. Pray hard every day, pray. Read the Bible every day. These are good habits. Be faithful to God uh, and be faithful to his church. I'm not trying to define one denomination or one particular congregation. I'm just saying that the people who believe in Jesus were saved by Jesus and, and he died for those people and we need to show our love for them. Uh, and furthermore, if we're faithful to God, then we need to be also faithful to our families, loving our families, providing for our families, spending time with them, and not just enabling them when they are doing wrong. Don't just encourage them and shrug your shoulders and say, oh, well, everybody does it. No, stand for the truth. Learn what God's standards are and pray that your children, grandchildren will follow them. Pray for them. I'm telling you, the prayers of mothers for their children are very powerful. The prayers of grandparents for their children, they're very powerful things. Pray for their families and support your families and be supportive even in your country. You, you know, most people who complain about the government, how many of them were, uh, have written uh, or, or communicated with their senators in the last year? Have any of you? Have you really pled with them to vote a certain way on anything? It's up to us when we do this. 
And, and, and it's not just the top people, it's the people at the local level and the county level and the state level. These people need to know you exist and praying for these people and, inter and establishing a relationship with these people will get you a foot in the door so that when things are going off the rail, you can gently nudge them back on the tracks. That's very important. I think that when the church stopped being feared by the politicians, we've gone downhill ever since. We really have. Because they they're not afraid of the church. They're not afraid. Well, they're afraid that someday we all unite and try to do something, but truth is, I don't think they care. I think we need to pray for our elected leaders, and we need to pray hard for them, and pray that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then in our business practices. Make sure that when we do things in our personal business practices, that we do things equitably and fairly and rightly, and we give God the glory. And we're not trying to cheat people. We're not trying to be slack. We're not trying to just get by. We need to do things right and be faithful in our business. By being faithful to God, faithful to families, faithful to our country and faithful in our business practices, we won't be persisting in unfaithfulness and we can save the land. We can save our country from immediate destruction. In the 1300s, the Great Plague was horrible. It was so bad that probably one third of the whole population of North America, no, of Europe, Asia and Africa were just wiped off the face of the earth. They just died, 25%. It would make COVID look like uh, just a small little sniffle, literally. That's bad. And you talk about you had whole families that lost their whole family, and so all, who got their stuff? I mean, literally, you, you saw, the, saw the biggest transfer of wealth ever in history, and it was all because of a disease. It was a shaking up of the world. Who's to say it can't happen now? Or if we had a world war today, if we think every time we've had a world war, it's gotten worse. If we have another one, do you think it's going to get better? I think not. So we need to pray that God will help us to be faithful. We don't control the bombs. We don't control all these big events, but we do control our own faithfulness. And if we'll be faithful, the whole story of Jesus coming to the world is that here's a young person. When he was born, he was faithful. His parents were faithful, and God was faithful, and we, and we know we need to be faithful as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for us and loving us. Thank you for being born and becoming one of us so that you could save us from our sins. And Lord, forgive us for our unfaithfulness. Forgive us, Lord, for our doubts. Forgive us for our uh, sins because we need your help. We need help in our land. We want to be healed. We want you to help restore faithfulness because it's such a very powerful thing. And Lord, we don't want to follow the path that Ezekiel tells will happen if we don't uh, change. So please help us, God, provide for us, and have mercy. And may this Christmas season be a time when we really make it our purpose to be faithful to you. For we pray it in Jesus' name and amen.